This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. Last week, we began a series on prayer. And I just want to fill you in on some of the stuff we're going to do to kind of supplement that series this month. First of all, as we move through the month, on Friday and Saturday, August the 27th and 28th, we are going to set up a 24-hour prayer vigil for West Concord Baptist Church. We'll have a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Now, you're going to be able to do this at home. So you're not going to have to come out at 2 o'clock in the morning and, uh, and pray. You can do that at home. So we're going to set that up, and we want everybody who can to sign up. We want to have a full 24 hours of the people at West Concord lifting up West Concord Baptist Church to the Lord. Then on the final Sunday of August, the 29th, after our morning worship service, we're going to gather out, weather permitting, in the, in the yard, and we're going to not only pray for West Concord Baptist Church, but as Mike said in his prayer, we're going to pray for revival in our community. We're going to lift up our community in prayer. We're going to lift up our church in prayer. Because I believe, and God has laid upon my spirit and upon my heart, the necessity of prayer. I saw a picture the other day that really showed me sometimes how wrong we get. And it talked about trusting ourselves rather than God. And the picture was of a power strip with the plug plugged back into the power strip again. Because we think we can do it on our own. We think we can do this church on our own. Or we sit there and we wring our hands and say, oh no, COVID is coming back. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to worship Almighty God as West Concord Baptist Church. COVID or no COVID withstanding. And we're going to do it through His power. And we're going to plug into that power through prayer. Because God has given us the privilege of person-to-person contact with Him. And I'm surprised that that doesn't move us and motivate us any more than it does. You watch old movies, and oftentimes back in the 30s, these movies spoke of rural communities. And at times, the only telephone in a rural community was at the general store or some well-to-do person's house. And it was quite a thrill to talk to somebody on the phone. And especially if it was long distance. (gasps) How many of you remember when you had to pay separately for long distance? Okay. I remember when I first moved away to to the Carolinas from Tampa before the advent of the cell phone and the telephone plan. We had to pay through the arm to call Tampa. I remember growing up the commercials. What were they? Reach out and touch someone. Because phoning somebody was a big deal. Hearing somebody's voice that you love and care about. Being able to connect in that way. And now we live in a day and age where if you want to talk to somebody in Bangkok, you can send them a message either via text or email and it gets to them within seconds. And I'm not going to get up here and say that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think I I like it because I'm able to text people sometimes that maybe you're at the job and I need to tell you something and I can't bother you or wait till after you get off work. I can shoot you a text. That's great. But there's nothing that will replace voice-to-voice communication, person-to-person 
communication. And that's what God has made available. He says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that we're able to go before the throne of grace confidently. You have a conduit. You have a line to God. And if that doesn't move you and if that doesn't amaze you, you have a spiritual pathology that you need to have dealt with. So we're going to talk about talking with God person to person. And today we're going to go back to the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And we're going to revisit a certain man and his prayer. We're going to revisit Jabez. They say, Pastor, why are you saying we're going to revisit Jabez? Because about 25 years ago, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. And in it, he extrapolated this verse or these verses in this passage we're going to look at. And he spoke of Jabez and his prayer. It's a very good book overall. But what happened was it went from being a very good and encouraging book on the prayer of this man that we're going to look at this morning to a cottage industry. All of a sudden, the prayer of Jabez became the big thing. It became the the exciting, popular thing of the day. And there was prayer of Jabez bookmarks, prayer of Jabez mugs, prayer of Jabez t-shirts. And people were going around praying the prayer of Jabez as though that were some sort of lucky charm or talisman. And the sad part about it is the root and the reality behind this this account was then turned into a cheap money-making thing. And it became the banner of many in the health and wealth gospel movement. But we're going to revisit that, but we're not going to bring up all that garbage. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Jabez and his prayer. And we're going to see how this man was able to talk person to person with God. Why did he do it? What did he gain from it? And what was it all about? Now, we need to go into this understanding that the prayer of Jabez is not necessarily to be your prayer. It's not necessarily to be repeated. That's what people do with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. I remember growing up, whenever something bad happened, people would stop and say, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or That's Psalm 23. He would say, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily... And they would rattle that prayer off as though that was going to chase something away. The thing about it is that was your prayer. That was the Lord's prayer, rather, not your prayer, not my prayer. So we're going to look at prayer. We're going to look at the prayer of Jabez. We're going to revisit it and see again why prayer is not just important, it's vital to our Christian walk. John MacArthur, the pastor and theologian, says this. He said, alone with God, speaking of prayer, that time alone with God, such an opportunity should be the Christian's one great desire. It should be the Christian's one great desire, time alone with God. How sad that so many believers spend brief amounts of time with him or don't go to him at all because they have so little to say. You know, I think of relationships when you fell in love with your spouse. You couldn't wait to be with that person. You wanted to spend all day with them. Let me ask you a question. Are you in love with God? 
Do you want to spend all day with God? Do you want to spend time with God? Well, that's what prayer is. It's plugging into God. People say, well, I'm too busy. I've got too much things going on. I've got not enough time to pray. Even in the ministry, people get, oh, I'm busy teaching a Sunday school class. I I sing in the praise band or I, I work with the children or the students. My life is so hectic. And by the way, I can do it. I get up there. I can mumble a quick word of prayer and that's about it. We think we can do all that we do without God. Ben Patterson, pastor and author, said this. He said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, according to A.J. Gordon. He says, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. It's a divinely ordered sequence. How often do we pick up a project? How often do we start a job? How often do we get rolling? And we get halfway through it, wonder why we're struggling and realize we never bathed it in prayer first. You know, we just came off a very successful vacation Bible school. And I have to say, everybody did such an amazing job and worked so hard. But I tell you, the one thing, or at least the main thing that made this Bible school successful is that it was bathed in prayer beforehand. We prayed for our community. We walked out and went house to house, lifting up our community in prayer. We gathered for prayer for Bible school. We prayed for it. We asked prayer for it. And bless God if that didn't Grease the wheels of success. God was then at work. Every Sunday morning before I come to church, and mostly every Saturday night, I'm bowed before God praying for West Concord Baptist Church. When I'm in my office before I come out to greet everybody and begin the service, I'm praying for West Concord Baptist Church. Are you doing that? We're in such a flurry to get everything together and get the church, we don't have time to pray. We need to make time. We need to realize that prayer is the lifeline of the church. And we are so blessed to be able to go to the author of the church, God, person to person. So this morning we're going to see prayer at work in the life of a certain man by the name of Jabez. Or from the Hebrew, Yabetz. His name is very interesting because it has a lot to do with his character. We're going to look at his character and we're going to look at his prayer. But before we do that, we're going to seek God's face as we dive into his word. Would you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, as we gather this morning, we thank you for the privilege it is to meet together today. We thank you, Lord, that we have the honor of being able to worship you. We thank you that you have called us together. So, uh, so that as we lift you up, you lift us up. Now, Father, as we open your word, may you open our hearts as well. May you open our minds and may we receive the message you would have for us. And may this message change us forever and for good, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 4. Now, Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles... These books take place during the time of the kings, whereas 1 and 2 Samuel 
First and second Kings speaks of the moral and political life of the nation of Israel. First and second Chronicles deal with the spiritual aspect. And the first part of first Chronicles is simply a list of who had who as children. We call it in some ways the begats. But in this first few chapters, you see the son of this person, the daughter of that person, this person had 10 kids, this person had two kids, and, it's, and you read through it. And often we just kind of glance at it and pass by it. And as you're going through the first four or five or six chapters, you're reading along and yeah, 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 and all of a sudden God hits the brakes. All of a sudden God turns the spotlight on a certain individual in this kind of reiteration of family trees. And he stops with a man called Jabez. Because Jabez caught the Lord's attention, and God wants to catch our attention with him. And so if you have your Bibles in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, it says beginning in verse 9, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Now that's an interesting passage because in this passage we see first a conflicted man. You know, we like to think that all the biblical personalities were superheroes. We like to think that all these people mentioned in scriptural history were perfect people who rose above all that were around them. Oh, they had no flaws. They had no blemishes. Their lives were great. But you know, that was far from the case. As a matter of fact, just about all the personalities in the Bible struggled in some way or another, if not all of them. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, the only perfect person mentioned in the Bible, suffered and struggled. But Jabez had his own issues, as we say. Jabez was a conflicted man because why? Well, his family life was a mess. His family life was a mess. You could call them dysfunctional. Isn't it interesting? Last week we looked at Joseph, whose family life was dysfunctional. Now we look at Jabez, his family life is dysfunctional. Read through the Bible, you'll see a lot of these. All right? But he was a conflicted man. Notice it says, first of all, that he was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez. Yabetz. And the name literally means... He causes pain. He causes pain. I remember the old Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. You remember that? About a guy having to prove that he was a man because his name was Sue. Could you imagine being named he causes or she causes pain? Maybe in your life somebody called you a pain. My older brother and sister used to call me, you're a pain in the neck. You know that? You're a real pain because younger siblings, that's our job, okay? That was on our job description, annoy your older siblings. And I did that very well, I might add. But could you imagine your mother, your mother naming you because you caused her pain at birth, call, calling you painful. He's a real pain. He causes pain. He had a spiteful mother. I imagine, now we don't know much more detail, but if she was that spiteful to say that, that'd be like somebody naming their child, 
He's an idiot. She's dense. He's clumsy. Could you imagine being named he's clumsy? Or she's a smart mouth? Could you imagine going through school, having your name called on the roll that way? Smart mouth, are you here? Yes? Okay, well, okay. Spiteful woman. I can imagine that if she was that spiteful to do that to her child, she must have been spiteful through the rest of his upbringing. Again, my only speculation, you can take it or leave it. But he seems like he had a spiteful mother. Not only that, but he had shameful brothers because it says he was more honorable than his brothers. So what must his brothers have been like? We don't know. Again, we have no clue. We have no details. But the very fact that it was pointed out that he was more honorable than his brothers puts some sort of dark night on his brother's lives, some sort of dark expression there. So it seems like he was conflicted. He had, a, he had a rough family life because he had a spiteful mother, shameful brothers, but nonetheless, it seems that he had a fateful life as well. In spite of his problems, in spite of his issues with his name and all the stuff that came along with that, living under this spiteful woman, dealing with his dishonorable brothers, he nonetheless was able to keep his faith. You know, we're living in a victim society where everybody's blaming everybody else for their problems. Even within families, people say, oh, I'm a mess because of my mother. I'm a mess because of my father. My brothers did this to me. My sisters did that to me. Well, if anybody had any claim to that, Jabez would have. Causes pain would have. But instead, he was an honorable man. He was a man of faith. How? Because in the very next verse, he turns to the Lord in prayer. So in spite of his problems, in spite of his circumstances, he was faithful. You know, this is what really tears me up about our culture today. Everybody else is pointing fingers at everyone else, blaming them for their ills, blaming them for their problems. We have become tribes of people who spit and holler at other people, blaming them for bringing calamity on them. Instead of taking responsibility for our lives and ourselves before God. Even churches that struggle are now blaming their problems on COVID. And COVID is a problem again. Hello, welcome back. But COVID doesn't have to affect anything spiritually and emotionally as it deals with us physically. So he was a conflicted man. He had problems in his family life, but he had a faithful life. He was also a man who was convicted because he was honorable, because he was faithful, he had conviction. In other words, he had a value system that actually meant something to him. Conviction is another issue that has fallen off our cultural radar. Instead of people of conviction, we've been, we become chameleons. We roll with the culture. Whatever is new, whatever is the new focus, whatever is the new fad, we're, we're quick to change our value system to accommodate it. Because we want to go along to get along. We want to be cool. We want to be woke. We want to be relevant. If I ever hear anybody say woke again, I'm just going to cringe. <laughs> Better to be awake. Amen? He was a convicted man. Because again... Notice what it says in verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. 
He was convicted. He had the conviction that there is a God and he is a personal God. He is a loving God. He is a powerful God and he is also a listening God. And despite all of Jabez's troubles and difficulties and obstacles in his life, he still had faith in God. He still believed. Because you know what people do? Let me stop here. You know what? They blame God. They blame God. God, it's your fault. God, it's your fault that my life is a mess. God, it's your fault that I struggle financially. God, it's your fault that my health falters. But not Jabez. Jabez had a conviction that God is powerful, God exists, and God loves him and wants to hear from him. So let's look at that famous prayer of Jabez for a second. Notice verse 10, and we'll move also toward the end of the verse, but he says in verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Now there are several parts. He says, First, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So as this convicted man bows in prayer, as he goes to the Lord in prayer, because listen, nothing in this world was doing him any good. I mean, he had to live with a horrible name. He had to deal with a broken family. Probably no end to his grief. And so where else could he turn? He turned to God. Notice his request concerning his need. First of all, he sought God's blessing. He sought God's blessing. You know, we'll do that. We'll come to church on Wednesday night. We'll have prayer requests and we'll pray for other people. We somehow think it's Wrong to ask God to bless us. When was the last time you did as Jabez did and said, God bless me? Now we need to understand what that word blessed means. It does not mean, God, give me everything I want. It also does not mean, God, make me happy. Even though the word blessed or blessed literally means the many happinesses. Because here's the key to blessing. We oftentimes think of blessing as God giving out brownie points or gold stars to the good kids. It's not blessing at all. What blessing is, blessing is that peace, that tranquility, that purposefulness, and yes, at times, that provision that comes when we are living in line with God's plan. That's where blessing comes from. It's not, oh, Lord, I'm sitting here and I'd like a new car. Oh, Lord, I, I would like a raise. Or, oh, Lord, I'd like a better, a better report from my doctor. Please bless me, God. No, 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 no. When Jabez, Jabez rather asks God to bless him, in a real sense, he's asking God to enable him to walk in line with God's word and God's plan. Because understand this, and I think many of us miss this. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to submit that most believers miss this. And that is this. You will only be blessed as long as you're walking in line with God and his word. Now, you might receive some sort of financial 
provision. You might receive some gift. You might do well. But as far as true, real blessing, spiritual blessing, internal blessing that I'm talking about the heart and the mind, life blessing only comes as we are walking in line with God and his word. And so when he asked God to bless him, he just didn't say, God, give me the stuff I want. God, answer all my requests. God, make me healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, no. He was literally saying, yes, I want to be happy, but only, and he recognized true happiness comes from walking with the Lord and being obedient to his word. So when you ask God to bless yourself or bless anybody, think along those lines. Not only that, but he also sought God for growth. Growth. Look what he says. And enlarge my territory. Now this can carry two different meanings. It could mean enlarge my physical growth, my financial growth. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with God asking to help you financially. I mean, if you want to ask God to make you rich, I wouldn't hold my breath. But God bless me, help me as I try to raise my family. God help me as I try to meet these bills. But again, that blessing comes with walking with God. But here he's saying, enlarge my territory, my reach, my impact. When I read that, I think of enlarge my effectiveness in whatever I'm doing. If it isn't jobs or work, enlarge my ability to do my job. If it's in ministry, Lord, enlarge my territory. Make my outreach bigger. Jabez was encapsulated. He was, he was chained, if you will, to a dysfunctional family. And he just wanted something better. Enlarge my territory. I want something better, but it needs to be within the will of God. We're going to talk in a minute about what maybe having more room for God is all about. So he says, enlarge my territory. God, I want growth. And that not only can be physical or material, but most importantly, spiritual growth. He sought God also for guidance. Look what it says. He said that your hand also would be with me. This is the way of saying, God, I want you to guide me. When I was a little boy, when I'd go anywhere with my parents, I would hold my father or my mother's hand. I remember when Andy got to the age when he didn't want to hold my hand anymore going into the store. One day he reached up just out of reflex, then pulled it back. I said, buddy, are you all right? He said, dad, I'm getting big now. As he was looking up, I think I can make it without holding your hand. And he started doing this. I said, all right, buddy, you're all right. And he started, and then then that was it. But more often than not, I would put my hand on his shoulder or on his back just to make sure the little monkey didn't run out in the traffic or something. (laughs) I remember the first time he went to the boys' room or the restroom, men's room by himself. By then he had gotten a green belt in karate. I figured, you got a green belt in karate, Go! You can take care of yourself. But you know what? I always knew where he was. And even still, when they're older, come on, some of you parents or you have grown children, you're still kind of in there giving him advice and helping them. He wanted God to guide him. He didn't want to be guided by his victimhood. 
He didn't want to be identified with the dysfunction he was raised in. He didn't want to be guided by the culture who made fun of him. He didn't want to be guided by the ill feelings that perhaps he felt because of that. He wanted to be guided by the hand of God. When was the last time you prayed for that? Oh, I know. Lord, I'm going for this interview today. Please be with me. Oh, Lord, I'm going for this doctor's appointment. Please get me through it. How about when you wake up on Monday morning? God, just guide me today. Here's the question too. Are you willing to go where God guides you? Are you willing to be the person God guides you to be? These aren't just throwaway requests. This was a man who was convicted in his spirit. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me to guide me and yes, to pull me back if I got in something difficult, troubling, dangerous. So this convicted man, he requested concerning his need. He sought God's blessing. He sought God for growth, emotional, physical, spiritual, material growth. He sought God God for guidance. I'm going to just be transparent with you. If it weren't for God, my life right now would be the biggest mess. I shudder to think what my life would have turned into had had I not have found Jesus Christ. I shudder to think what my life would be like had I had not surrendered to God and every day surrender Him. And I'll tell you, the days that I don't usually turn out bad. He sought God for guidance. Finally, he sought God for protection. Look what it says. He says, and that you would keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. Again, a double-sided coin. Yes, keep me from anything that would happen to me that would be evil. Keep me safe. You know, here we are rolling back into COVID again. We need to get on our knees and pray that God would, would keep us safe from that. And then we need to do intelligent things to keep safe from that. We need to quit politicizing COVID and take it seriously. And we need to pray that God would keep us safe. That's one of the things I prayed for last night. I've been praying for. That's one of the things I prayed for when I was in prayer this morning, that God would put a hedge of protection around this church and this family. That God would keep us safe. Not just from COVID, but from anything that would interrupt our worship with God. Keep me from evil. But not only that, keep me from doing evil. Protect me, Lord, through your word, through your spirit. And keep me from doing stupid stuff. Keep me from doing and making evil choices, wrong choices. What is evil, by the way? Well, evil is simply the absence of good. If you have a piece of paper and it has a great big hole in it, that's a bad piece of paper. Why? Because what makes the paper good is missing. That's what evil is. So as I'm living my life for Christ, as I'm walking with him, if I allow anything to come in to take on anything of that away, that's evil. Lord, keep me from evil. So those are his requests. He sought God for blessing. He sought God for growth. He sought God for guidance. 
He sought God for protection. Now again, what they did 25 years ago was turn this into some magic formula or good luck charm. The idea is not to just pray the the words of the prayer that Jabez prayed, just like it wasn't Christ's idea for us to pray verbatim the Lord's prayer. The key was the character and the concepts. It was Jabez's character, despite his problems, that led him to this place and led him to pray that prayer. And it was the concepts of this prayer. Blessing from God, growth, guidance, protection. These might take on different forms for you and I. There might be greater needs in one area than the other for you and I. This is Jabez's prayer, but technically this is not Mike's prayer. It's not Sam's prayer. It's not, it's not Susan's prayer. But the character that Jabez displayed is certainly something that we should own. And the concepts in that prayer, certainly things that we should be focused on in prayer. So these are the requests concerning his need, but look at the reasons concerning his name. Why did he pray that prayer to begin with? Well, obviously, for many reasons, but notice at the end, close to the end of verse 10, he says that I may not cause pain. Can you imagine? He was basically saying, I don't want to be identified by causing pain. I don't want to live up to my name. My name is he causes pain. But God, I don't want to cause pain. So at the end of the day, all of these requests... We're not necessarily about him per se, but about his impact in the culture and the world around him. Lord, I don't want to cause pain. When people see me and they point to me and say, there's the pain. After I've been with him a while, I want them to say, but he's not like that at all. He's not like that at all. I want to rise up above my circumstances. I want to rise up above the identity that was slapped on me. And again, we're living in identity culture. We're putting everybody in their own tribes. We're we're making up initials. We have the LGBTQ. We have the BIPOC. Look them up. I'm black, I'm white, I'm male, I'm female, I'm this, I'm that, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat. The idea is to be, I am a child of Almighty God. And I had better be right with God and walking with God. And as such, I don't want to cause pain, I want to be a source of blessing to those around me. And when I say blessing, I'm not just here to make anybody happy. I'm not here to make you happy this morning. You say, I know, we figured that out. Never was my job at this church. I know there are people who think, well, pastor, you exist to serve me. No, I do not. I exist to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I will serve you in that capacity. 
But if my job is to bring blessing to people, what I'm trying to bring to them is the idea that you will receive blessing as you walk with him. Can you just, can you just feel his heart right at the moment? Lord, bless me indeed. Father, give me growth. Father, guide me. Father, protect me from evil so that I won't cause pain. I wonder how many Christians have brought pain into the lives of people. I wonder how many Christians with mean spirits, acidic tongues, wicked hearts, calling themselves Christians, have brought pain to people's lives. I can tell you this, in my 30 years of ministry, I've had a lot of so-called brothers and sisters bring a lot of pain to my life. I hope to heaven I've never done that. He causes pain. But his prayer came up to the summation as, I don't want to do that. I don't want to cause pain. So that was his prayer. Ben Patterson again writes this. He says, speaking of his own life and his own prayer life, he says, I want there to be an abundance of what Bob Pierce, another friend of his, called God room. Remember when it talked about enlarging my territory, Lord, when Jabez said that? He says, I want to have more of what Bob Pierce called God room in my endeavors. For Pierce, God room was the gap between what we can do by ourselves and what can only happen if God steps in. Yes, that's it. That's what I want. God, enlarge my territory. Bless me indeed. Give me growth. Why? So that I might have room for you to work in my life. But instead, we're all ego-driven. I like what one man said. Ray Holcomb said, ego, E-G-O, stands for ease God out. Ease God out. I'm important. It's about me. No, no, it's about God. And Jabez's prayer was not about Jabez at the end of the day. He didn't want to cause pain. It was about making room for God to use him and bless his life so that he might be a blessing to others and not a, not a curse. This is the point of prayer. But yep, you'll go home again. Most of you will go home again. And you'll get on your knees tonight and say, Lord, fix my car. Lord, help my bank account. Lord, and we'll pray the grocery list of requests to God. And never once think about, if we even do that at all, and never once think about God transforming us and making us different. Never once making room for God. He was a blessed man finally. Look what it says. First of all, he said this. Notice what it says at the end of verse 10. After all these things he prayed, it says, so what? God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. Now, again, you be careful with that. Don't you go home and sit down and pray this prayer and expect God to do the same for you. He may or may not. See, we all know the way God answers prayer. We know it, but we don't really believe it. The fact of the matter is God does answer every prayer we pray. Sometimes God does say, does say yes, here, here's what you need. You ask for it, here you go. But more often than not, God, God says no. Sometimes we pray for things that we think we desperately need and God will say no. Pastor, that's rough. Yeah, it is. Ask the Apostle Paul. Remember in 1 Corinthians? He prayed three times for God to remove a thorn from his flesh to heal him. And each time God said no. 
He said, my grace, my unmerited favor, my love is enough for you. And you know what the most frustrating answers are? God sometimes says, wait, wait. Oh, I hate waiting. I despise waiting. If I'm driving home and there's a lot of traffic, I will go out of my way as long as I can keep rolling. I'm an impatient person. I can tell I'm impatient when they invented tablets like iPads and it takes three seconds for the thing to go where I need to go and I'm driving. It's going nuts. I can't stand it. Now you can order something from Amazon and if it's the, it, dep- it might come the same day and I'm pacing the house. When's it going to get here? I'm a very impatient person and God, probably that's why he deals with me hard a lot. He's saying, Mikey, you can learn patience. I'm almost 60 years old. By the time I'm Richard's age, 90, 95, I might learn that. <laughs> he wore the red shirt today. I can't help it. So God may or may not grant, he granted Jabez's, but also understand when God says yes to prayers, more often he's going to say yes to the prayers that are in line with his will. When we're seeking blessings that bring us to that place. So he was a blessed man, but he also had a beautiful legacy. Because here it is, 3,000 plus years later, in Concord, North Carolina, on August 8th, 2021, we're talking about him. And we're demonstrating what a good man and godly man he was. And his legacy is not that he caused pain, but he brought encouragement, spiritual growth, and blessing. I can't think of a better legacy than that. You know, we put statues up to people. We put plaques up to people. Bless God, we're guilty of that, doing that in the church. I was on staff at a church in South Carolina. It was more a museum than it was a church. They had bronze plaques on everything. Pews, pulpits, tables. I was the building and grounds guy in a sense. I was the church janitor and my job was to cut the grass. I remember the first Saturday when I got out there with the mower to cut the grass and I had to move something out of the way near the, one of the hedges. And I looked down and under the hedges was a rock. And I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. On the rock was a bronze plaque that said these hedges were donated by somebody who really cares less about who they are, but they were donated there. Let me tell you, if you're looking for your name to get on the bronze plaque at church, go to another church. You're the rock guy. Congratulations. What is that? Instead, he had a legacy. Rather than cause pain, he's still, he's still right now bringing blessings. That's the kind of person I want to be. Is that the kind of person you want to be? Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote the book, Prayer of Jabez, said this about prayer. He says, your father knows your gifts, your hindrances, And the conditions you're in at every moment. And he he also knows something you can't possibly know. And that is every single person who's in desperate need of receiving his touch through you. God knows what you have and what you don't have. God knows what you and I struggle with. God knows what hindrances we have, what choices we have. 
But again, what we don't know and God knows is who will be touched by our lives. That's what Jabez was most concerned about. At the end of the day, his prayer was that he would be blessed, he would grow, his, 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 his life would be free of evil, and God would bless him and, and, and bring him protection because he wanted to impact people positively rather than negatively. Again, the last of his prayer, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Understand this about prayer. This is the whole point. Prayer should be more about changing us rather than our circumstances. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.